1989, Tim Burton created a sensation when he cast Michael Keaton as Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Drawing inspiration from the work of Frank Miller and the original character concept by Bob Kane, Burton turned the zany, cartoonish 60s Batman into the dark night of the 90s. Bam! Pow! With slick new designs for the Batmobile and other Batgear, and a grim palette for the gloom of Gotham, this movie reinvented the comic book film. Throw in music by Prince and a phenomenal performance by Jack Nicholson as the Joker, and you've got Batmania. Both your hosts were caught up in the wave of Bat merchandise, but we wanted to know if the high of 1989 was real Bat gold or as ephemeral as the career of Bobcat Goldthwaite. So pour yourself some champagne or ginger ale if you're doing some crime fighting later in the day, and join us for episode 72 of Toasting the Classics, Batman 1989 style. Welcome to Toasting the Classics podcast, the podcast where we take something that people call a classic and we talk about it while drinking something inspired by the classic. Then we're going to decide whether it should be a classic. Uh, my name is Dave MacArthur. And my name is Clint Lanier. We've got a movie this week and it's your choice. What did you go with? I chose the 1989 blockbuster Batman. I can, just, I can hear the theme music playing right now. I can see the whole opening sequence in my mm -hmm. mind where it's kind of going around the Batman symbol. and. I remember sitting in the theater and like not understanding that's what was happening during the opening yeah. sequence, and then when it pulled away, I was like, "Oh, that was in it. That was neat." Like I remember that moment. That I was... remember people clapping. It was a big event. So '89. So I was teen, like 15, 16 years old, something like that. Yeah, it was a big event. I mean, this was a really anticipated film when it came out, starring Michael Keaton uh, as Batman, uh, Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Yep. Uh, directed by Tim Burton. Had yep. all the. All the greats in it. You have uh, Lando Calrissian as, as Harvey Dent. That's right. Um, you've got uh, um, Kim Bassinger. Oh, my God. In the prime of her life as Vicky Vale. Yeah, definitely. That's her biggest movie, right? Was she ever be. in anything, anything comparable? I mean, what was... I, don't, I can't think of anything. Let's see. No. Uh, I was thinking on. like The Getaway when she was married to Alec Baldwin. They were in that together, but that's not... Bassinger. Oh, you know what? She was really good in L.A. Confidential, but that's... Um, yeah, not really, yeah, she not was, really just her. I mean, that's a whole bunch of other people in it. She didn't have like a huge career other than that, really. Wasn't she a model before she was, and then she sort of became an actress? Let's see. She's known for L.A. Confidential, Batman, right. Wayne's uh, World Two. Wayne's World. I do not remember <laughs> yeah. that at all. And uh, okay. and and cellular. Uh, she's been no at. Color. Let's see. She's got fifty eight credits. A lot of them are just junk. Let's see. This is definitely this is her big movie. Oh, I God, think. Yes. I think in in hindsight, I'm not sure that was clear at the time, but this because I I knew who she was before she was in Batman. Oh, she was Eminem's mom. I forgot about that. Eight Mile. That was pretty big. Oh, I thought for a second <laughs> I was like, that's going to be the biggest surprise of, of the show <laughs> for me is that Kim Basinger is actually Eminem's mom. Uh, she was in. Yeah, she, I, I forgot that she started uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Mary Jane's Last Dance. She was. Yeah, Mary that's Jane. right. That's true. That's true. Um, I remember that. Gosh, remember well, when videos were a big deal? Like that was. Yeah, like, well, they're they're actually directed by direct, like real directors. I guess she, she has was kind in, of a I, Tim Burton feel, doesn't it? That's not I a guess Tim she Burton. Was in quite a. She was in a lot more than I than I had remembered. Uh, she was in the Natural. She was a Bond girl. Never say never again. I forgot about that. Never say never. Oh, she must have been really young in that because that's yeah. 1983 or something. Okay. Was, yeah, anyway, I mean, so she's been in a lot, but this has got to be. She was dating Prince after this movie, for crying out loud. I mean, how, how much bigger can he get? I want to address the elephant in the room here at the yeah. top of the podcast is that Toasting the Classics uh, is going to be changing formats now. This is going to be an exclusively Batman-related content <laughs> podcast going forward. Yep. These are both your choice. Dark Dark Knight I, and Batman. Yeah, yeah. Well, one, Dark Knight Returns is also was also one, your choice. Although one leads one leads more. to the other, and in Dark Knight Returns, uh, for the five uh, listeners that we have, they might mm -hmm. remember that I was able to sneak in the uh, the TV show for the Batusi. If you remember that part, when we talked about the drink that he had. Now I had to come up with something different for this movie. But okay, so this Batman and the Dark Knight were my Batman. I was never into Batman at all. I, I like comic books. I collected comic books, but I always collected the dark stuff. And mm -hmm. Batman was never dark until Frank Miller. And what was that, 1980, early 80s? Gosh, I, mean, I think it was 86 or 87. Yeah. Like and, in the, and in the early 80s and 70s, for sure, I was never into Batman. I mean, to me, Batman was that the goofy Adam West Batman, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Those are the, 
those are the reruns that I'd see on Saturday mornings and stuff. And it was just terrible. And, and he was on the cartoons of Justice League and things like yeah. that. And he's, he was just kind of cartoony and comic. He was lame. Thing. Yeah, he was lame. I was yeah. into the X-Men. The X-Men were kind of grungy and stuff. I liked Wolverine was my favorite because he was all dark and broody and stuff throughout the oh, whole yeah. series. I like Spider-Man. Spider-Man actually got dark, you know, in the 80s. Dark Knight came along and it was like, oh, this is what Batman could be. And then I found out that this is what Batman was. And this right. is Bob, Bob Kane's Batman was Dark Knight. I, I wrote that down. I had that thought while I was while I was thinking about this movie is that the anomaly is the 20 <laughs> years or so. The anomaly is the 20 years or so where Batman was corny. Most of the time, Batman was dark and was like a detective and worked in the shadows of Gotham City and like completely different than the Batman TV show that left such a big imprint from like the sixth from the mid 60s until the end of the 80s that's what that's and that's a long time yeah but in hindsight it's 25 years and a character that's been around for almost 100 yeah well in 1939 Batman carried two pistols he carried two 45 caliber right. semi-automatic handguns one on each side and he killed mm -hmm. people <laughs> he killed the bad guys it started out as detective comics, and Batman was the detective, right? So Bruce Wayne, his alter ego, was a detective <clears throat> that wore a bat costume to scare people, right? Right. So um, it was, you know, he was a detective, and detectives carry guns. And then it mm -hmm. became, then it became more kid friendly after that. I think, like in the fifties and sixties, and I think, I think the um, the comic book rating had something to do with it too. Yeah, um, probably. You know, the, the probably ratings did, yeah. in the 50s and 60s and, and so mm -hmm. forth. So they wanted to ensure that it had the widest audience possible. So they made it into really kind of a caricature of what it started as. We, we talked about that in Dark Knight. Frank Miller brought that back. This was the Dark Knight as a as a movie. I mean, that was one of the influences. Yeah, of... yeah it's a big influence on this project. Is I don't think this this movie is not as dark as... The future Batman movies mm -hmm. or of Dark Knight Returns. Right. Going back and watching it, there's still a little bit of a comic booky, cartoony feel to mm -hmm. this film. At the yeah, time, well, it hit me as being like, "Whoa, this is so dark and right. Batman's." But I'm watching it now; it's kind of comical. A lot of the stuff that's going on. It's well, the Joker. The Joker feel. has has that comic relief, right? Yeah. Um, but something that the Joker does that in in this movie that we're kind of getting ahead ahead of ourselves a lot, but. You know, the Joker in this movie is, is a psychopath. You know, they show that right. when he's a kid, he, he shoots, you know, they credit, wrongly credit him to killing Bruce Wayne's parents, but he does it. What do you mean they wrongly credit him for killing? Well, that's not the real origin story. I mean, they, they uh, sort of you mean, rewrote right. the origin story. So Apparently that, that could, upset a lot of people. Yeah. So that they would be able to carry the narrative through to, that he was this a historic villain in, in Bruce mm -hmm. Wayne's life. Right. And so he could have that dynamic back and forth. And, but they show him as a psychopath. And then is it psycho or sociopath? What's, what's the difference? Anyway, he's some kind of path. And right. uh, he, and, and dark, he, path. he dark path. He takes enjoyment in, in hurting other people. And then he becomes insane. You mix that with insanity. And it's a lot like, you know, Frank Miller's dark, you know, Joker in, in The Dark Knight. He wears bright costumes. He's, he's the exact same thing. You know, mm -hmm. he has no qualms about killing thousands of people or one person he does it just matter of factly but at the same time he's laughing and cracking jokes and, and stuff like that so he gets a lot of the best lines in the movie honestly he's pretty he, he really does he really does but then again batman's thin script that they give to michael keaton's character ends up becoming as if not if not more mythic as jack nicholson's lines i mean how many times in your life have you heard somebody say who are you and to yourself, where somebody else says, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Yeah, I mean, it just, it just comes out, right? Who are you? I'm Batman. So, With the different voice, the different name. Christian Bale took that a lot further. Like, Yeah, the deep gravity. One of the, one of the, he, Michael Keaton was the first one, apparently, to, to point out that it's ridiculous that nobody can figure out the guy's Batman. <laughs> right. right. So he decided to change his voice a little bit when he was sure. in the costume. And then Christian Bale did it a lot more. So yeah, I thought that was kind of a... It's funny that that was the first time someone had that character note. About it would be Bruce it would be better if Bruce Wayne sounded like he was on helium. Hi, I'm Bruce Wayne. How are you? You know, and yeah. then and then he had the gravelly voice. I mean, then you really couldn't figure it out. They'd be like, "Is that Bruce Wayne?" No, it can't be. Listen to him, you know. Right. But uh, so the movie was released in 1989, uh -huh. um, and it became the one of the all time biggest grossing movies 
I think still, I think it's still one of the all time, but it, it took him about 400 million worldwide. When That's a good question. I think December. it's, um, it's what it was the fifth highest grossing in history at that point. At that point, right? So I would guess that's gone pretty far down the list by now. Yeah, I, I it, think that's well, probably down around thirty-five or so. But I wonder time. if you, I wonder if you, if you count for inflation because now they're at the billion marks, right? So you got right. the Marvel movies are billion, and, and you've got oh yeah, any, anything Cameron does is a billion. Four hundred. There's probably ten Pixar movies that made more money than yeah, this. Yeah, four hundred million know. in nineteen eighty-nine. I that's would a bet lot of you money. that's that's close to a billion. As of 1989, that wouldn't have been fifth all time if you corrected for inflation, because then you got to deal with things like Star Wars yeah. and Call of True. Wind and True. weird things um, like sound music that made way more money than you would think right. they made. But it did at the time. It did. It did break break the record for top grossing weekend, and it edged out. And I had no idea. But Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade actually held the held the record up until that point, and so it edged out for Indy. Um, it was a big summer for movies. I remember yeah. I remember being so excited about Batman that mm -hmm. despite the fact that I was a huge fan of Indiana Jones, I didn't know there was a new Indiana Jones movie coming out until like the last minute. Yeah. I remember being being just shocked me like, "Oh my, this this summer is amazing." And Humphrey Red October, I think was pretty much the same time too if I remember right. There were a whole bunch of really maybe that was well, the next year. But well, I've still. got summer summer releases for 19 for summer uh 1989. Okay. You've got uh and these are in rank and order but Maybe you've got back Bat to the future batman indiana jones and the last crusades uh -huh. lethal weapon 2 honey i shrunk the kids yeah that's right i remember ghostbusters that. 2 um yeah. 2 rather i'm sorry and then dead poet society which is interesting yep but then just going down the list you've got like when harry met sally field of dreams turner and hooch hooch rather star trek 5 which is terrible. star trek 5 yeah, yeah. i remember that Friday my dad and i three which is terrible my dad and i used to go and watch a movie and then sneak into a second movie a lot of the time yeah and i remember yeah. that summer was our most epic day ever because we saw dead poet society star trek five field of dreams batman and something else on the same day like we were just going from movie to movie for the entire saturday right and, god uh, there's so many of them yeah there there's was a lot of them. movies out there was uh a there was say say anything twins oh yeah was the other one i just saw uh, yeah. Uh, say anything rain, yeah that's rain man one. rain man came out that summer uh, Major no, League. That must, Rain Man must have been earlier, wasn't it? I'm looking at the list. Huh. Uh, domestic box like... office, summer 1989, May 5th through September 4th. I l still like going to the movies, mm -hmm. and I will go look at what's playing at the movies, and mm -hmm. they literally won't be anything worth watching at the yeah. movie theater. Well, it's the because you, you only have like five movies coming out now. I mean, that's right. At that time, you would have like 12 movies come out on one weekend. And you got to, you know, in a small town like I live in, you got to get to the, get, hurry up and watch it before it, it leaves because something else is coming in. You know, the big ones would stay around for a while. Or back in those days, we had what we call second run theaters. And so, and it was usually oh, the yeah. older theater. And so once after a couple of months or maybe a few weeks, it would get kicked down to the second run theater and then you could watch it there for five bucks or something, you know, right. a little bit cheaper. And actually um, that place, that last one in Cruces just closed after COVID that video yeah, four place. Video four sure I, I love yeah. that place. That was fun. Yeah, that was, that was, you know, but you know, the, every town would have, well, every town of a certain population would have a second run, even if you only had one or two screens. And yeah, uh, we had them, we had them all over and, the place. It was nice. You know, it was just a different, it was a different era. I mean, you didn't have, now you've got, you know, movies that come out streaming and in the theater and they'll come out uh -huh. in the theater for maybe a week. And that's just so that they can maybe get into the Oscars or something. Cause you have to, you have to run for a certain amount of time at, at a theater in order to be considered for an Academy award, but they will be streaming. They'll run for like a day or a week or something in the theater and then they'll go mm -hmm. away and you never hear from them again. So, um, yeah, I don't think I could explain adequately to my kids what Batmania was and oh, what it man. was like Lord. that summer and how much a movie could dominate the national conversation, yeah. even if it's right. only for a couple of weeks, but it's literally right. all anyone's talking about. I had yep. t-shirts, I had toys. I It yep. was, there's just nothing, nothing is that ubiquitous today like there would just never be a, a you know like there's yeah. big movies like Endgame is a great big huge movie that came out but mm -hmm. it didn't dominate the national conversation right. and consciousness for weeks the way this did like right or or i wasn't 
alive for it but star wars was kind of the mm -hmm. same thing i think nobody talked about anything else for a little while yeah and i just don't think that that's a that's just not a thing anymore no not definitely definitely not i mean there's just well there's so much i don't know i mean we had we were so captured by the limitations that we had at the time right i mean mm -hmm. i didn't have cable so i had three channels plus uhf right you know that's all you could, i could watch and so if I, I didn't have mtv until i got in college and and then you know i i we had a vcr but you would have to wait months and months for for the VCR rental to come out so you can go rent. Oh, the years, movie. years, uh, yeah, sometimes. forever. Years. And sometimes it would show on TV before it would be a rental. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then whatever movies you had, that was it. I mean, your options were so limited back then. You know, if you didn't catch it in the theater, then you were the you were screwed. If you were if you were at school, yep. and a popular movie came out and you weren't able to catch it in the theaters, you were a loser because everybody was talking about it. And you're yep. like, mom, I gotta go see this movie. I got because there's nothing else to talk about, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, what, what else are you gonna talk about? You know, the new, you know, Night Court, <laughs> the newest episode of Night Court or Cheers or something. But yeah, um, so we just had so we didn't didn't have the choices. Now, you know, back then, like the Nielsen ratings, you would have like five million people tune in for one episode of maybe like Night Court or something like that. Right now, if they get like 500,000 to tune in for an episode of some, some that's show. A, that's like, a big deal. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Right. Yeah. Because yep. we've got, it's just we've, different. We've got so many just different, different channels now. Yeah. And, so. I, and it's the, um, the scarcity of things. I, mm. I don't, I don't know. I don't know whether my kids would enjoy that at all, but to me, the only thing that's left like that is that HBO and Disney plus sometimes put out their shows where they don't release the whole show. It comes out week mm. by week. Oh, right. And right. I, I really like that. Yeah. Like right now, I'm watching The Last of Us, and mm -hmm. I am excited for the next episode of The Last right. of Us to come out. And I kind of can't wait for it to come out. And I miss yeah. feeling that way about yeah. anything. Like everything <laughs> right. now is just what do you what do you want? Just get it on the internet right now. Yeah. And of course, yeah, that's true. Once, but right. I don't know. No, that's so, very true. I mean, so should we back up and do a synopsis? Are we assuming everybody's seen this? Well, if they haven't seen it, they're probably listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we talk about obscure true. and popular stuff, but we can do a synopsis. Uh, why don't you give it a shot? So this is yeah. So so the synopsis of this story is this is not Batman's origin, but Batman is very early in his career as a crime fighter. The police and the press are sort of aware there's a guy who's Batman out there, and he's coming to prominence during the during the course of the story because the Joker it is his origin story. He gets created as a he's not really a supervillain, is he? He's just he doesn't really have any powers. The, the Joker that I can think of. Yeah, he has he has gear that's strange, but yeah. I don't really know. But that was sort of he... that was sort of the case for I think all of Batman's nemesis. If you think about it, none of them had like powers especially you know in the in the early days like uh they were just evil villains with different twists like the riddler he just told riddles and he killed people yeah the know? riddler doesn't seem to have anything except again he has some gadgets that are weird yeah gadgets but like ping the penguin catwoman, catwoman is like a is, has superior athletic abilities she's she's magic i think she she's definitely I don't like think so i think i think she's more like batman like she's she can just <laughs> gymnastics and karate but in yeah. Batman Returns, she's just like a regular secretary lady, and yeah. then she has this Michelle weird near-death yeah. experience and turns oh, right. into a into a. Combat. That's true. Well, you know, like a, so there's yeah. something going on, something supernatural there, and the Penguin seems to be. Yeah, I don't know whether he has any powers, but. But you're right. Like Mister Freeze, everybody freeze. Um, right. Yeah, he was. He was. Poison Ivy can control plants. Poison Ivy, if I remember right. right. So yeah, that's true. So some of them, some of them do, but it's not. It's not what they're known for. And and, I, right. and of course, Batman doesn't really have a superpower. Batman's right. superpower is that he has more money than any person could possibly right. have. So, so he can he can create gadgets for any any reason, including to kill right. Superman. Exactly right, which right. we discussed, which is which a good bit in the um supposedly in the comics. He has a plan for how to defeat every single. Of the heroes, superheroes, yeah, in the yeah. world, like he has like something he would do. So that 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 seems within <laughs> within character to me. Speaking of psychopath, right? Exactly. Be careful who well, you make your friends. If you're trying to protect the city, if 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 yeah, Superman goes rogue, you better have a plan for how to protect them from Superman. That, right. That, Wonder if he had a plan for suiciding himself or something. Just in case. So a lot of the plot is people trying to figure out what's going on with Batman, who's Batman. Mm -hmm. Then Joker develops into a threat. Batman fights him um, mm -hmm. and saves the city from Joker and becomes the defender of Gotham. He has some degree of legitimacy and sets up the bat signal at the end mm -hmm. and 
and things like that. That's essentially the story. There's not there's not a whole lot going on. No, I mean they there's a lot of some, a lot of nuance, but other than that, there's not a lot of nuance. They add some extra characters who are pretty fun to watch. Um, Vicky Vale and Robert Wool's character. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the character's name. Knox. No reporter. Yeah, Knox. that's right. Yeah, yeah he he's, he brings some humanity to the story. I remember thinking it was very strange that they cast Michael Keaton in this role. Yeah. Yes. Just everybody not, did. Just not yeah. getting that at all. And that was that was that was a big controversy. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah um, of course it is. Right. He was in a bunch of comedic movies, mm -hmm. uh, things like Mr. Mom, right, and Gung Ho, mm -hmm. and Night Shift, and Beetlejuice. And see, that's that's and the reason Beetlejuice. That's the reason everybody was worried right. about it because he had Tim Burton teaming up again with. Michael Keaton coming off the heel of the Beetlejuice, which is a huge movie. It was a really big movie. And uh, everybody thought, oh, great. We're going to do Beetlejuice with Batman. You know, it's going to be the right. same the same type of slapstick and stuff like that. So that everybody was really worried about. People were ticked off because nerds like me were waiting for The Dark Knight. You know, and if you say, we're going to bring you The Dark Knight, it's directed by the guy who did Beetlejuice. And it's starring the guy who, the comedian. Who, who was in of, Beetlejuice. Yeah. Who was in Beetlejuice and a bunch of other stuff. So. And I think he sort of achieves the effect of not having Michael Keaton be a distraction mm -hmm. by not having Michael Keaton particularly be Michael Keaton for right. most of the movie. He's playing down his comedic style. Mm -hmm. He's pretty he's very charming as Bruce Wayne mm -hmm. for the most part, right. which I think is the perfect part. He's he's probably he's very good in that role because mm -hmm. you could see why Vicky Vale likes him and he seems cool and he seems like a really laid back regular guy who's super rich. And that's fun. There's one scene where the Joker confronts where bruce wayne confronts the joker in vicky mm -hmm. vale's apartment right and mm -hmm. he like and he tries to get the joker to shoot him and he's like you want to get nuts let's, let's get, get nuts, nuts. Yeah. i'm like that's that's michael keaton that's that's yeah. 20 seconds of the movie where he's michael keaton from right. night shift or gung-ho or something right. and it, it stands out and even now watching it like 30 years later i'm like tone it down I, I don't, this is not the right <laughs> Right. It's not right for the character. You know, generally speaking, I thought it was a really inspired choice. No, it worked. You know, it worked. He was dark and brooding and, and he, you know, you, you had to have a character that could transform into this brooding kind of person. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think, okay, flash forward, like, like, I think the worst is probably George Clooney because he was George Clooney as Bruce Wayne and he was George Clooney as Batman. He was just George Clooney. Was um, that the final? Of that, was the, that was the, thank God, the final one. I um, never saw it. I saw the Val Kilmer one. Val Kilmer was about the same. It was he and it was, was okay. Eh. Um, and I kind of liked the guy that got to be Robin. He was okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate that movie, but just by the time the fourth one came out, I was just not into it at all. It was a, it was a cartoon. Yeah, it was a. Yeah. It was a. Film it was back to being like Adam West type of thing. I just, exactly. Wasn't yeah, it was terrible. That, so. There was there was one line in there that they're trying <laughs> to get into somebody's headquarters. I think it's like Mister Freeze's headquarters or something stupid like that. Okay. And and Batman or no, Robin character says, "Holy rusted metal, Batman." George Clooney's Batman looks at him and says, "What?" He's like, "Oh, there's there's some rusted metal over there. You know, it's all full of holes." Right. You know, and it's like yeah. a throwback to the Adam West show. And it's oh, bleh. come on. <laughs> Are you sure that wasn't in the third one? Because I almost remember. I thought I remembered that line. It it might have been in the third, but yeah. it was whatever Robin made. You know, period. it yeah, certainly yeah, wasn't. Yeah. Certainly wasn't uh, the first two. It wasn't a Michael Keaton and Tim Burton. They would never have done that, but. No, anyway, so so yeah. uh, you've got you've got Michael Keaton. What about Jack Nicholson as the Joker? What do you think? Jack Nicholson as the Joker holds up really well. Mm -hmm. But one of one of the main thoughts I had about it was that this is just a great part. The Joker mm -hmm. is just a great part. Any right. great actor is just going to go in there and ham it up and and play a great Joker because we've seen it done three times in the films. And honestly, mm -hmm. oh, what's the guy's name? I'm forgetting the guy from the show, but he was great too. Oh, um, uh, Caesar Caesar Romero. He's the Romero. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was he really was fantastic. Good. He was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. Jack Nicholson is just hamming it up and having a great yeah. time. Heath Ledger plays up the psychotic part oh, of it. Yeah, totally. And then Joaquin Phoenix went into that even more and made the Joker yeah. seem like a regular psychotic person. Yeah. Part. It's just a great part. It's it's got a lot of room for comedy and for mm -hmm. insanity. And it's just a it's just a great part. It's much better yeah. part than Batman. Batman is just a straight man, more or less. Yeah. I think for the most. Hey, what are we drinking, by the way? Oh, oh, so, uh, lady and gentlemen, uh, the only what one of the things we do in this show, obviously, is we we try to have a drink related to whatever it is we're talking about. Uh, sometimes it's easier than others. This time it's not very easy. Uh, no, it's very a, Bat, Batman doesn't drink. However, 
throughout the movie, and we found this out in The Dark Knight where we, we had a screwdriver because of the whole Batusi thing. Uh, in this movie, there's a lot of champagne going on, especially at the party at the very beginning where Bruce Wayne at Wayne Manor is having this big fundraiser and um, he tells Alfred that they need more champagne and everybody's drinking champagne and, and blah, blah, blah. So we're drinking cheap champagne. Actually, California champagne. That's what it says. Uh, I can prove it. Mine is not sparkling wine. It's California champagne. Well, how is that so, possible? I thought it couldn't be champagne unless... I think you could say California wine. champagne. Oh, okay. I've got mine is from Spain, apparently. Oh, wow. Okay, you're fancier than I am. But yeah. you're you you can buy all that fancy stuff. You're you're in New York, cheap, so you've got easy, cheap easy Spanish access. sparkling wine. Yeah, we can handle that. <laughs> there we go. So, Did you get that on. You get that sound. No, oh yeah, I kind of heard it. All right. For me, let's see. That's half the fun of having champagne is the sound right. when you open it. Oh, boo! Mine was a plastic plastic oh. cork. Oh. I know, not nearly as good. Right, I hope what I didn't just open an expensive bottle of champagne at three o'clock. But <laughs> I think you might. Have anyway, one. what are you drinking? It is. I'm drinking it in a great big wine glass, and I put ice in because I didn't have time to chill it. Ah, see, I I actually do have a champagne flute. Oh, nice. Here, nice because it reflects the party. Now there is a history of champagne and Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne's the, uh, you know, the rich playboy in the mm-hmm. uh, in the show, and he often throws these parties, and champagne's a big big part of it. This is the comic books, and and so forth and he drinks ginger ale because ginger right. ale looks just like champagne so cheers cheers uh are you sure i'm actually drinking uh, champagne and this isn't just ginger well, knowing that you do turn into a superhero at night and you are living in gotham i am living in gotham that's true i always yeah, thought it was true. interesting i think we talked about this the last time we did batman but it's interesting to me that that the dc comics don't use real cities i know that's yeah, kind of weird uh, metropolis <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> basically metropolis means Big city. Yeah, they're just <laughs> named for New York. But... Smallville, USA. Smallville, right. right. Smallville. Yeah, but uh, yeah, then you got Gotham City. Okay, so that's what we're drinking. Let's see, moving on. Right, so the music okay. in this movie I thought was worth All talking about. Okay. So is it just me or does the Prince music pretty much suck? I don't know. Maybe I'm not a big Prince fan, but do you remember Bat Dance? <laughs> yeah. And that was that was terrible. Like I had really to explain bad. that. I had to explain that to my children last night. They're like, what is this bat dance? Bat dance. Oh. <laughs> I, said oh, it was a, I said it was a dark moment in our history. Yes. Um, I had a single of bat dance and I listened single. to it. <laughs> and so when I, when I watch this movie now, the lines that would repeat during the song, like uh-huh. always just make the hackles <laughs> stand up on the back of my oh. neck. You know? This town needs an enema. This town needs an enema. Right. Now, I, I think there is one part in there. What kind of a world do we live in where a man dressed as a bat gets all my press? <laughs> there's some great lines. But there's that one part where they're doing the parade, and it's the, mm-hmm. the Prince song of Seeing the Future. That's the only time. Better. So it's it's ambient noise. And that one, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. But what, I, what always got me was that if you went and bought the album, the Batman soundtrack, you would get the Prince stuff with okay. all these tracks that were never in the movie. You wouldn't get the Danny Elfman CD. So that was that was always kind of weird. Um, and I think there was a bit of controversy with Danny Elfman, where he's like, "How come I didn't get credit for for doing the soundtrack?" You know? Oh, is um, that right? Yeah, I think I, so. I mean, I knew who but, he was because he was killing it for a couple of years there. Oh, he was. Yeah, because like we already discussed, he did the music for The Simpsons, which mm-hmm. I was listening to the beginning to the beginning of this movie, yeah. and I was like, "That's just The Simpsons. That's yeah. The Simpsons again, like part of the song." Well, he has and he has a sound. He did he Beetlejuice. He did uh-huh. The Simpsons, and he did Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, he was just killing he, it. He, he did Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Did Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think there's all but three. There's three movies that Tim Burton's made that he didn't. He hasn't scored. But every single movie that Burton has made, Elfman scored them. So you know, if it's a if it's a Burton movie, chances are it's going to be. Chances are it's Danny Elfman. I was watching uh, Back to School. Oh, God. Apparently, my wife had fond memories of that movie, so we we put it on and we watched oh. it. Uh, was it as ago. good as she as good as she remembered? I think she enjoyed it still. I mean, it, it was okay. It was fine. But there's a part where there's a party, and they have Oingo Boingo is the oh, band right, right. Playing, t- playing the music in the scene. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly realized I was like, oh, that's Danny Elfman, like yeah. standing on the stage in this movie. That's very strange. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. He doesn't look anything like. A, I think I pictured him always as looking kind of like Tim Burton. No. I just had Tim Burton in mind when I thought of Danny. I think Elfman. he's like he's like bald. I think he was, he was red hair. He was a redhead. And he yeah, was he's like a bald redhead. or something. Shaved yeah. it all off because he was losing his hair. But the lines, like you said, you know, this town needs an enema. 
I mean, that's a great right. line. Well, I wanted to I wanted to talk about Tim Burton. Okay. So what is Tim Burton's best movie to you? What's his What's his What's going on his tombstone on his like short? You know, when he goes movie? in the Hall of Fame, what's his What's his best thing? What is his best movie? That's a really good question. Because there's so, there's Pee Wee, so there's Beetlejuice, there's Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, there's Batman, Edward Scissorhands, there's yeah. all that Alice in Wonderland stuff, which I didn't yeah. I didn't really see those. I don't think, mm -hmm. but yeah, um, I've seen I've seen a lot. I think I've seen many of his movies. Uh, critically considered his best work is Edward Scissorhands. Scissor, scissors okay. hands, scissor hands. My favorite is probably Beetlejuice of his. Yeah. I think um, that I think me too. That's the number one Tim Burton for me. Yeah, I think Beetlejuice and then maybe Batman. Just because I okay. I have nostalgia for Batman. And I think Beetlejuice is just a really fun, good movie. Um, Beetlejuice is good. Night, We've watched Night, that a bunch of times. Nightmare Before Christmas, which he didn't direct, but he produced it. He wrote it. Right. Um, everything else. He did everything else to that one. So Nightmare Before Christmas, I think, was always one of my favorites as well. But here's the thing. So he's never won an Academy Award for Best Picture or Best Director um, or Best okay. Screenplay or, or Best, you know, he, so his movies win for Best Makeup, Best Design, you know, all of the, mm -hmm. these things that he is known for. I mean, he's known for the dark, over-the-top type of stuff, and they, they always get nominated, and they oftentimes win. I think this one for Best Design. He had one for something. Was that what it was? For what? Yeah, it one. I think it did win for yeah, something, but I, I think it remember. won for. I think it won for best design, uh, Academy Award for best art direction, Academy Award for best art. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it really was pretty impressive. We should probably talk about the the. Now I don't know the technical definition of art direction, but mm -hmm. things like the sets and the costumes, mm -hmm. and just the overall feeling for what yeah. they're creating in terms of a look. Mm -hmm. I was looking at some of the things they did in the city, and it was like H.R. Geiger or something, and I, and I realized. It's Fritz Long, the Metropolis, right? Isn't right, that the right. that's the old movie Metropolis? So that's kind mm -hmm. of ironic yes, yes, that they used yeah. Metropolis to design Gotham, right? Well, yeah. and it's and it's Gotham in decay, um, which is Gotham which is decay, the yeah. which is the point of Batman, right? You wouldn't have Batman if Gotham was not in decay, and right there there were some things like they avoided all use of neon. It was supposed to be brick, mm -hmm. kind of this this Art Deco design, Gothic Art Deco, I guess you could call it, with you know evidence of war wear and decay i suppose uh, is probably the best way to put it uh throughout and so that's why i think you've got all that and then you've got the joker you've got jack nicholson dressed in bright greens and bright blues and bright reds and, and everything else and he stands out against everything right whereas oh, especially especially with the black and the yeah you know, yeah he definitely whereas, pops. whereas batman blends in with everything like he's mm -hmm. part of that decay where he's embedded in it i guess or something but that's one you know that's one of the things that always kind of got me on that everybody says it's so it's so dark and it's, i mean there was some, a lot of criticism about it being too dark of a movie i always thought that it had to be in order to make the joker contrast so much sure like everything else has to be really dark and you would think that it would be the hero that contrasts so the hero is bright but no no he's the dark knight so he's part of this um he has to have that decay in order to exist uh, the Joker, on the other hand, stands out against it. Um, it's very odd. It's a, it's a kind of a strange juxtaposition of what you would. Yeah, it's about. almost like a comment on uh, the the bad the bad guy is bright and colorful, and the good guy is dark and sinister. So mm -hmm. it's sort of a, uh, and 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 they play up on that because the Joker's trying to win hearts and minds, right, in mm -hmm. the city. Right, he gives out money and tries to make friends with everybody and make tries to make Batman look like a bad guy mm -hmm. in order uh, to kill which, everybody, though. In order to murder everybody, yeah, yeah it, right. he he doesn't uh, keep up the ruse very long. I'm not right. sure what the point of all that was. Probably right. could have just killed people by dropping gas on the town anyway. That's I guess so, that. right? Robert Wool just gets out of it by covering his face with a cloth or something. Yeah, like, that yeah. seems pretty easy right. to avoid. But right, I know that's a great line too. When uh, he's got all those those parade balloons, and Batman comes along with his jet, takes all the balloons. He's like, "My balloons! He stole my balloons!" And then yeah. he's a great line. He's like. How come nobody told me he had one of those things <laughs> like yeah. that? It's such a great yeah. line. He's like really frustrated. And that's when he shoots the henchman, Bob. I hate that part. I always hated that part because Bob is like his, his loyal henchman. And then he just yeah. kills him. For no he just kills him. Well, Bob didn't tell me he had one of those things. I guess um, so. Bob, by the way, is apparently Jack Nicholson's best friend. Like that's his buddy in real life. Oh, is and, that right? Yeah. And that's he got funny. him. He got him that job. 
as his henchman, just like as part of his contract was like, okay, I need, you know, you have to hire him too. Speaking of his contract. Yes. Let's talk about that. I thought I'd seen Bob and other things, but I didn't know that actually. That's interesting. But yeah, speaking of Nicholson's contract, he ended up, I think he just didn't get paid, said he would get points on it. And there's arguments about how much the points were worth, but it could be as much as like $70 million, according to some sources. I've read more than that, actually. So so he, his typical film fee was $10 million, which was a lot of money in 1989. Which is a lot of money. So it was $10 million. He had all these provisions in his contract. He he had to have, I forget what it was called. Oh, he has an off-the-clock agreement. So basically... His film days are only like four or five hours. Um, he, he has to spend every night at home and he has to have time off for Lakers games. So it's like all this, all this oh, off the clock. Clint, stuff, it's not right? entirely reasonable. It's only Laker home games. Yeah. Laker home games. You're right. And $10 million. And they said, that's too much. You know, our budget's not that big. So he said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, $6 million in points against, this was the thing though, points against box office and merchandise. So he, he got paid right. six million. Oh wow! Yeah, still. I didn't realize it was and it was it was it was the box office and merchandise. So the estimates that I've seen are ninety million is what he ended up with after all the receipts are totaled. Because the merchandise, as you know, that was the big one. Every I mean the toys, I hadn't seen. I didn't buy any because I was fifteen or sixteen. Or maybe I bought right. one. Okay, but <laughs> um, but I mean the toy marketing for this, I hadn't seen anything like it since like Star Wars. There was no other movie that that I think matched, you know, toys and jets and Batmobile and I mean just on and on and on and on. The Batmobile like you said, toy was the one I always wanted. That was uh, cool. So cool. And plus you had t-shirts Although, and everything else. You know, I actually kind of preferred the Batmobile that they had from Justice League mm. to the one in this movie. I, I thought this looked really cool in the movie and I love the drone nature of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen anything like that before right. in a movie. But the old blue one with mm-hmm. the, uh, I can't really think of how to describe the styling, but it just has fins on the back and they could, it was a convertible they could jump into. I just, I loved that one. That, that was, was a, that, that was a, that was like a two seater. You had like, instead of being yeah. like a full open cockpit, you just had two kind of jump seats yeah. that they would just each jump in. Yeah. I remember that one. That was cool. That was a <laughs> it good almost one, looked yeah. like, it almost Did looked you know? like the, the speeder from Star Wars had that same flat design. See, I love that toy too. I had the toy of the yeah. snow speeder, and I used to play with that. Oh, yeah. the land speeder, yeah, the land that speeder, one too. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that was a good toy, also. Right. Strangely enough, do you know who ended up with the Batmobile from the film? Oh, I heard about this. Oh, this is um, yes. Uh, hi, no, it's that puppeteer guy. Yeah, isn't it? it yeah, is. what's his name? Yes. Um, Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham. Yeah, he's a huge like like car enthusiast and stuff. Oh, is that and, what it is? Okay. Yeah. I just so he, he, he had yeah, he to he had to put like a Corvette engine into it so it would right. actually drive around. I was watching <laughs> the scenes with the Batmobile in the movie. I was thinking, it looks like crap. Mm-hmm. It looks like a little buggy. It's like bouncing around while it yeah. goes around the corners and stuff. Yeah. It looks like terrible it's got a car. jet jet turbine in it. And like yeah. the jet turbine's like spooling up and it's doing 20 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem too no, impressive. It, no, but... it it didn't make it looked cool as heck. I remember really being into it as a kid, but in the drone, the, the drone thing was cool though with the machine guns and then it like drops the bomb. Yeah. You know that ting ting yes. ting 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 boom, you know. I mean yep. that stuff was all pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so no. no complaints. No complaints there. That was all that was all very solid. Yeah. So I realized so I I mentioned that the set was kind of based on Metropolis, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a lot of classic film in this that I noticed. So the ending sequence, I read somewhere else, somebody mentioned that it was kind of patterned on Vertigo, on the end of Vertigo. It's, oh, uh-huh. know, fair yeah. enough. Perfect. I totally see it. But you know what I kept thinking for the ending hmm. was King Kong. Oh, which is yeah. like, oh, the that's Joker runs, the Joker runs amok yeah. in the city, goes up to the top of the building. Batman comes with his plane and then, and then yeah. like they fight and then he falls off and, and everybody sees his body laying on the ground afterwards. And when I was thinking that, mm-hmm. He and Vicky Vale have a conversation about how she's beauty and he's beast. And yes. I was like, okay, Tim yeah. Burton knew this is a King Kong yeah. reference. This is not just me. I'm not crazy. Yeah. So no, that's a good point. Um, I, I hadn't thought that. I also thought that Wayne Manor is mm-hmm. uh, what everything they were doing in Wayne Manor was from Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Like it was just the the great big shadowy rooms and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It was just it was um, being taken from that. So I don't know. Sometimes I'm starting to think from doing this show that I'm watching so many classic movies that this is on my mind all the time. I just it's see all it all. Ble- it's all bleeding together. Yeah. Yeah. It really maybe does. That's why, maybe that's why I chose Batman, like you said. But 
I guess I, I had to finish out the whole stream because I knew that Dark Knight fed into this. So Dark right. Knight was one of the was obviously it was one of the, uh, the influences for this. One of the yeah. influences for sure. Definitely. Um, well, she talks she Vicky Vale's big photographic expose is of the war in Corto Maltese. Yeah, Corto Maltese, which is, that's right. Which is right out of Dark Knight. That's I think yeah. that's the only direct reference to Dark Knight Returns, right? There was a couple of more. There there were a couple of others. I can't remember. Okay. Think of them right off the Yeah, there there were a couple more. I can't think of them right off the top of my head right now, but there were, okay. there were definitely a couple more. What about Alfred uh, blowing the lid off of who Batman is by just inviting Vicky Vale down to the Batcave? Yeah, that was that, that got a lot of pushback. So that was something yeah. that Tim Burton wrote because right. as a as a director, he needed Vale to be there and he needed the conversation. And people were pissed. They're like, "What are you doing? Alfred would never do that." You know, I would fire Alfred in a heartbeat if he, you know, uh, Alfred. This is a secret Batcave, and the, yeah. the key word in there is secret Batcave. Secret. Well, they were playing up throughout the movie. There's a couple of scenes where Alfred knows exactly what Bruce Wayne wants before he wants it. Mm -hmm. And so I think where they're going with that is that he knew it would be okay with him. Like he knew it was against the rules to bring somebody in the Batcave, but he yeah. knew that that's exactly what Bruce Wayne wanted at that moment. Well, he also, there's a conversation. There was a conversation before that scene where he says, um, he says, boy, that Vic, you know, that Miss Vale is, is, is quite a catch or something like that. And, uh -huh. and, and Bruce Wayne's like, Alfred, why don't you marry her? <laughs> right. He's like, that, that's not exactly what I had in mind, sir. He thinks yeah. for a minute, he's like, I, I can't be bothered with that. Jack Napier's still alive, whatever he says. So anyway, yeah. I, so it, it seems like Alfred wants to get them together because he wants to help his buddy Bruce Wayne out, maybe. I don't know if he needs help, but I guess he, he thinks that he needs apparently, apparently steady, something, something steady. So an interesting thing about this is I didn't realize, I don't know if I knew it at the time, but I, I didn't realize that the project was in development hell for such a long time. Because apparently the first script for this film, and I'm guessing it was inspired by the success of Superman, was done in 1979. So they were working on this for like 10 years and the, the script changed who was involved in it. They, did, they didn't get Tim Burton, I don't think was officially... I don't think the project was greenlit with Tim Burton until after Beetlejuice. So right. Not long before this would have started. It was initially attached to it in like 1986, but that hadn't actually been official. They were going to have Robin in it. A whole bunch of things changed. It was Michael Uslan um, okay. bought, the, bought the film rights from DC in 1979. And he was a fan of the original Batman. So he okay. envisioned in 1979, he envisioned doing it the way Bob Kane originally did it, you know, it was this dark brooding detective guy. And this was coming, you know, the sixties or maybe when was, whenever the Batman series was, that's all they wanted. They all wanted the sixties TV series. And I mean, even Superman was sort of campy. It was kind of bright and blah, blah, blah. Good guy saves a day. And so that's sort of what they, they had in mind. And because that's what they, all the studios had in mind, everybody turned them down because his original script was the dark brooding Batman he ends up it, yeah it just goes he just keeps but he keeps pushing it you know he just keeps pushing it and pushing it like this is what i my vision is this is what i want it it ends up well one know. of the coolest things about this and i'm pretty sure this has got to be coming from tim burton one of the coolest things about it is it has this i don't know if timeless is the right word mm -hmm. but there's a lot of things in it that are kind of anachronistic it's like it it must be taking place con contemporary like in 1989 because mm -hmm. there's jet engines and and there's some things that are dead giveaways that it's today but right. at the same time people are wearing hats like they yeah. wore in fedoras and stuff yeah and you know there's a file on bruce wayne like a physical yeah. file that she pulls right. even in 1989 you would have had a computer that would have right. had those files that wouldn't have been a piece of paper that you would have been looking at and so there's this it's something that a couple of really cool directors have done like especially wes anderson Mm -hmm. Where you watch the movies and you're like, when does this take place? But it's just somebody who has a love of art design. I think a lot of these kind of guys put together a movie that throws together elements from different eras. It's just fun to watch. I, I just always um, get a kick out of that. Also, think... one thing. Speaking of speaking of things that are anachronistic, mm -hmm. when he asks her how much she weighs, mm -hmm. which is a great joke by the way, because she lies yeah. about her weight and then the grappling hook doesn't work because she weighs more than she says. That's a, I like that. That's a fun bit. Yeah, but. She says 108. Yeah. If 
if a woman in 2023 claimed to weigh 108 pounds, a grown woman, she would there'd be laughter in the audience. Like, <laughs> what are you? Who weighs 108 pounds in 2023? Well, like, models, you know, maybe. I mean, well, a model who's five one. I mean, that would yeah, just maybe. be. Like, I can't even imagine. There's no way Kim Basinger isn't she like six feet tall? There's no know. way she weighs that. I don't know. That's. I just thought that was. Um, well, that's why he calls her out on it. Weigh a little bit more than 108. She's like ah. Yeah, but I mean, work. I think she is supposed to weigh 112, not 140. You know, <laughs> right? So I guess we're getting to that that time, aren't we? I think so. Um, I am almost completely stymied for a surprise. I read some things about the project. <laughs> I, I wasn't really aware that Robin was intention was originally intended to be in the film. I didn't remember the direct Dark Knight Returns reference of the Cordo Maltese, but you know, it wasn't really a surprise. I don't know. I can't really come up with anything that was surprising. I knew this movie. I must have seen it 50 times as a kid. And I just, I know it backwards and forwards. I had forgotten a few things. Like when he turns his plane around and comes to strafe the Joker and Joker pulls out that comically long gun. Like I yeah. just remembered every bit of that right. part. I was like, oh yeah, this is where he has that great big gun. Right. I don't know. It's all just, it, it was all in there. I, I thought it was kind of funny. The museum was called the Flugelheim. Um, there's a few <laughs> right. little. Right. You know, I, I, I kept thinking about the Tim Burton Superman mm -hmm. when I was watching this. Oh, and right. How some of the creative decisions he was making were not popular, but I, I think they probably would have worked. I think it probably would have been great. You know, Nicolas Cage was a terrible choice for Superman, but so right. was Michael Keaton. So for, sure. for this. So I don't know. I think it would have been really cool. Um, I don't really have. I really don't. Some of those, like I said, the King Kong thing, I guess, kind of surprised me. I don't know. My, my surprises are weak this week. Um. My surprise, my surprise was the uh, the fact that it was written in 1979. That, that you already yeah. mentioned. Yeah, the that development was, that was, thing was surprising. Yeah, that was such a huge surprise for me. It, it was also, you know, it's one of those things where, and you hear this every now and then, especially when it comes to Hollywood, where somebody just believes in something so much right. that they will just keep pushing for it, pushing for it, pushing for it, and eventually it gets made, and it's. Fantastic, you know. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but I know it's I know they're out there. But um Oh, it, it it's happened. I mean, there's projects like that. Lord of the Rings was kicking around oh. for a long time. Oh, God, we're talking sure. about making a Lord of the Rings film. But um, when you have that, when you have one person sort of behind it, you know, creatively, yeah. like this is my vision, and they finally get it done. I mean that that makes you feel kind of good because it it just helps you understand that, you know, there's a long timeline on these creative processes oh yeah sometimes you know and well the dark the dark side of that process as an example would be the original dune which was definitely mm. david lynch's stamp on dune but for the most part it kind of sucked mm -hmm. although i actually went back and looked at it and from an art direction perspective it's kind of like this he definitely has a vision and it's pretty cool yeah. looking it just didn't yeah. really work as a film but well anyway at that time it didn't i think it would have been no. better if he'd if he'd done it today with you know the, the effects better special effects have. yeah yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, that was my big surprise. Biggest surprise is that it was because I guess what the, what surprises me about it was that that guy Olson had sort of the same vision that Frank Miller did. You know, they everybody says that the Dark Knight, Frank Miller's Dark Knight, was an inf a huge influence on this movie. But that guy Olson never had the benefit of Frank Miller because he did this in '79. Right. So he had essentially he had that same vision that Bob Kane had, which is where Frank Miller got it. Frank Miller went back to the beginning for Batman and said, "We we, we need to do Batman like that guy, you know, the dark, right. brooding, mysterious dude." It's always like <clears throat> looking after the fact. It's always easy to say, "Oh, this is the influence on that," but that guy also never had that vision, or never had that mm -hmm. benefit. Rather, he had, but he had the same vision. So I thought that was really cool that he yeah, came to the same conclusion as as Frank Miller, and wrote it thus yeah i'm actually in the process of reading the uh frank miller turn on daredevil back oh, from uh -huh. 1981 with electra and everything like that yeah. and it's 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 it um it, some of it seems kind of cliched today but you can see mm -hmm. where it's so different than anything anybody was doing at the time right. it's, it's very good yeah. one little tiny thing that i just thought of though that was kind of a surprise for me is i remember noticing when they introduce billy d williams character who's the mm -hmm. i think the district attorney or something harvey dent huh? and and they say he's harvey dent i remember being like well that's two-face what's going on yeah. there apparently that he was planning on doing a two-face film and i think this sucks and i'm glad this didn't happen he really wanted two-face to be black 
mm-hmm. because that would be like a like a parallel between black and white and the two faces. I'm like that that sucks. I don't that'd get be, that. That'd be, that'd be I don't terrible, know what yeah. you're talking about, and that's just dumb. I like then, Billy <laughs> D. Williams. That would have been fine. Yeah. I Billy D. Williams in it, but like. I, I don't understand that at all. So that, glad that, that rationale. Happen. I thought Tommy Lee Jones was terrible because he was stupid and like always laughing about stuff. And he was yeah. completely ridiculous in a complete yeah, cartoon version and caricature version. He was doing so. Jack Nicholson. Everybody was trying to be Jack Nicholson. Yeah, pretty Joker much, every yeah, time they played him. So um, the question is whether we're going to toast this. Well, the question is whether you're going to toast it. Question is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So. One of my big impressions here is of watching this and having watched a lot of really great successful comic book movies over the years and 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 a lot of them being Batman films. Um I don't know that this one holds up really well. Like I don't know if you showed this to a kid, I think they'd be kind of like, "Eh, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of lame." But it was such a big deal at the time and it changed the way these things were done and and created a new version of Batman. I I, I think I'll go ahead and toast it. I really do like Michael right. Keaton in this movie. He's fun to watch. I liked the second one. I actually thought Batman Returns was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cornier. It's kind of going down the road of yeah. what happened in third and fourth ones, but I did like it at the time. Um, so so I'll toast this. I'll toast this. I, Very I cool. would say it's got like a 73% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think that's yeah. probably about right in terms yeah. of the, but it, but it did change <laughs> the game. I'm toasting it because it changed the game. Very good. So. Well, that, and that's one of the, that's one of the reasons I like these legacies is that, you know, you can trace the serious comic book movies back to this one. Before that, right. they were, they were comic books. They were silly and, and kind of fun and, and stuff. Even, even Superman, you know, where the good guy always wins at the end. But mm-hmm. well, I'm glad because that's sort of why I picked it. Okay. I think it's I think it's 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 a not bad movie. You know, it, it's not a oh, this is the best movie. You know, best movie. No, no, it's not bad. It's a not bad movie, and uh, it's very it's, cool it's, looking. Like again, yeah. the art, the art, the art design is great. I mean, there's cool looking stuff in this movie. But well, very cool. All right, we are toasting this one. All right, glasses up. Glasses up. Clink. Well, that was a terrible. I actually hit the table instead of the other glass. Let's see. That's a little better. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this round of Toasting the Classics. Next time we are doing... uh, uh, Next time we've got a uh, free choice, and it was me, so it's going to be Radiohead. And get some wine, everybody, because apparently Tom York used to like to tipple some wine. And spill it on people. And spill it on people, right. (laughs) All right. So uh, this is Dave MacArthur saying peace Uh, out. This is Clint Lanier saying join us next time. Join us next time. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Bye. That's it for episode 72 of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, get some cheap, spillable wine for our discussion of the 1997 Radiohead album OK Computer. If you'd like to get in touch, please send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, comments, complaints, and let us know whether you think Tim Burton's Batman holds up after 34 years. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at @attractivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classics.